0: Thank you, ladies, for that. Children, you are dismissed for children's church. And uh, as they are going out, we're going to be uh, in a very familiar psalm this morning: Psalm 23. Psalm 23 this morning. Yeah, it's awfully quiet in here. I mean, awfully quiet in here. Does it seem like that, or is that just me? I mean, it seems like it's really quiet in here this morning. I'm just, yeah, I'm just used to y'all being disruptive, I guess, I don't know, but uh, Psalm 23 this morning, and, um, you know, we just, the beginning of this month, we celebrated our our 14th anniversary here um, at Rankin Baptist Temple, and um, there's a lot of milestones that we've hit um, here at this church, um, a lot of things we got, you know, got to see, a lot of things we've done. But in 14 years, I guess I've really thought about it, and I'm a little offended. In 14 years, I have never had anybody ask me to sing with them. <laughs> 14 years. No, don't come to me now. It's too late. I'm just kidding, if you're visiting, I don't sing, and um, there's several of us that have threatened to get together and, 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 and sing a special. Dr. Shoemaker always used to say, I don't I don't sing, but when I do, the angels weep, he says, and so, um, you know, all we gotta do is make a joyful noise on the Lord, is what the Lord said, but... Um, that joyful noises to the Lord. And so I wouldn't uh I wouldn't uh I wouldn't do that to you. And so um thank you for those that do sing though. The Lord is blessed and uh thank you ladies for that that uh, music uh uh this morning and um that uh, that special uh that that tory that Miss Lisa played that was a uh, that was just, uh, I don't know, it seemed, seemed different, and I, I really enjoyed that as well. And so, um, thank Brother Tim for the uh, time and passion he puts into leading for us, and uh, I really appreciate that as well, and um, thank God for good music, good uh, godly music, uh, and um, lifts our souls up, ready, gets us ready for the Word of God. Psalm 23, and uh, probably... Um, probably most of you in here, or a lot of you in here, probably could quote the psalm. It's a psalm that's been it's been read um, countless times uh, in churches, countless times at funerals. Uh, um, you'll often see, um, probably more than more than not, you'll see a funeral bulletin, and uh, in that bulletin is almost always Psalm 23. And uh, why? Because Psalm 23, and this is the title of my message, Psalm 23 is a psalm of comfort. A psalm of comfort. And um, I don't need to ask this question, as Brother, Brother Tim said, it's a rhetorical question. Um, but it, have you ever been down? You ever, you ever been hurt? Um, you ever been, not hurt just physically, but you ever been. You ever been hurt emotionally? Um, you ever struggled spiritually? Um, no, 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 preacher, I'm good all the way around. Well, you're a liar. And so um, we've all struggled with something, right? And uh, we've all had a hard time with something. And probably, um, truth be told, uh, probably more recently than we want to admit um, that we've struggled with something. Maybe it's, maybe it's something... Uh, somebody did, or somebody said, or maybe something that you did um, that you're struggling with. Um, uh, But in life, the Bible says there's going to be struggle. Uh, In life, there's going to be entanglement. In life, there's going to be unfairness. Uh, In life, there's going to be discomfort. And Not everything... Not every day we feel like I said, to, I said in Sunday school this morning. I said, I wish that every Sunday from the day I got saved to this day, I wish every Sunday, Sunday morning, I jumped out of bed and said, Woohoo, I'm excited about going to church today. Well, I have to say that's probably not the case for me, and it's probably not the case for you. You ever Sunday morning, Rolled over and thought to yourself, "Just one more hour, just thirty more minutes. Do I really?" It was me and Wendy joke about it all the time. I'll I roll over, look at her, said, "Do I really have to get up?" She said, "Yeah, you're the preacher." I was like, "Okay, all right." And so, kind of joke about that, you know. But sometimes you don't feel like it, right? My wife's, my wife calls it the my wife calls it the mully grubs. You ever get the mully grubs? I mean, you just, there's really no reason you feel bad. You just, I don't know, maybe it's the weather. You know, maybe you, sometimes you just don't feel up to par. Sometimes you just don't feel right. Sometimes you just, and sometimes it's something major. Something has just come into your life that was unexpected. Something's come into your life that you didn't, you didn't know was going to happen. And you don't like it. It's uncomfortable. And, and it may be uncomfortable physically. It may be uncomfortable emotionally. It may be uncomfortable financially. It may be uncomfortable uh, relationally. I don't, I don't know, but some time or another, you have been uncomfortable. If you lived until tomorrow, it's probably going to happen again. I mean, I don't. That's kind of bad news, right? I mean, it's just like why is it always bad news? Because I mean, it's just the, that's just the facts of life. Uh, In life, uh, ye shall have tribulation. Jesus said that. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. Do you know it's the... The Bible says it's the flesh against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and they're contrary to one another. You ever met somebody? You ever worked with somebody? Maybe they're even in your family. And every time you see them, you guys don't get along. It's just, con- I mean, just, maybe it's on your side, maybe it's on their side, maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe just, there are people, I'm I, I just, here's my confessional, okay? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just confessing to you. There are some people, uh, there's nobody I hate. The Lord knows my heart. God says we're supposed to love people, and I do my best to love people. There are some people. Well, let's put it this way. If I can avoid them, I will. There's people in my family. Lord knows there is somebody in my family that's married into the family. I'm telling you, I can't stand this person. I mean, it just seems to rub me the wrong... You ever have a... Don't look at me smug. Don't even bother looking at me smug. Okay, because I know most of you, and I know there are some people in your life that rub you the wrong way. And sometimes you get around them, and boy, you just when you leave them, you're in a bad mood. You're in a good mood before. Now you're in a bad mood because you're around this person. Listen, there are those kind of listen that contrariness. That's the flesh and the spirit. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And now the Holy Spirit of God's telling you this feed me. That's the Holy Spirit of God saying. Church and Bible reading and prayer and witnessing and all these things that we're supposed to be doing. The Holy Spirit's trying to lead us and guide us into all truth. You know what the flesh is saying? Feed me. The flesh is saying. The flesh is saying, "I want, I want you, I want you to be jealous. I want you to be envious. I want you to be contentious. I mean, I want you. To, listen, I want you to not like people. I want you to do that. I want you to do all the things that are contrary to the spirit. That's what the flesh does. And guess what? Who you feed is who's going to grow. You feed the flesh, and the flesh will grow. But guess what? The flesh never gets." Satisfied. Never gets full. You know what it wants? It wants more and more and more and more. And if you continue to feed the flesh, listen to me, mark my words. If you continue to feed the flesh, you'll turn into somebody you never thought you would have been turned into. You really will. That person that you looked at years ago that you thought to yourself, boy, I hope I never get to that place in my life. That person is bitter all the time. That person never smiles. That person is never, perceivably, never happy. I mean, and they make everybody else miserable. I'm glad I'm not like that person. Keep feeding the flesh and you'll become that person. Why? Because the flesh is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit wants you to he wants you to have love and peace and joy and long-suffering and all the fruits of the Spirit. And then the flesh wants you to lust and, 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 and be envious and angry. And Well, I'm telling you, sometimes you can look at somebody. You can observe somebody. And if they call themselves a Christian and they say they're a Christian, you can tell who they have been feeding that week. You can tell. Listen, if you take, I tell, I tell my, my in-laws when they come up, I'm glad I have a great relationship with my in-laws. I know sometimes it can be really, really bad. Um, you know, they call them outlaws. Uh, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm, I'm in good with my in-laws. Matter of fact, I say this all the time. Matter of fact, if we were on a boat and the boat sank and we went overboard, I'm pretty sure they'd save me before they saved Wendy. I'm just telling you. Uh, uh, we're, so we're, 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 we're good. But they have a daughter. They always have a dog. And they had another dog. That dog passed away. Now they have this new dog. And they always have little dogs, right? So which I'm thankful for because, you know, I'm not a big fan of the big dogs, especially the big dogs that bite. So they have this little dog. I don't even know what it is. Pomeranian something. I don't remember what it is. Anyways, it's this dog. And it's, a, and it's a small dog that's supposed to be whatever pounds. This dog is a porker. I mean, its poor legs are like, you know, because it's so, I said, let me let me tell you why it's so big. Because you're feeding it too much. You keep feeding that dog; it keeps getting bigger. And you give him you give him food on the ground. And <laughs> mom says, um, could you could you could you take the food? We left the food in the back of the car. Could you take it in and bring it inside? She said, um, it was like it was like a bag like this big. It was like seventy nine dollars. I said, yeah, I'll be sure to you know, wrap it in, you know, tin foil and make sure that I put it up on a pedestal somewhere. I can't believe you paid that much for dog food. But they'll put that dog food down there and then dad'll be eating. But Dad, you can't feed the dog table food. He won't eat his regular food. Oh no, this dog will. He'll eat both of them. And he keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Guess what? You keep feeding your flesh, it's gonna get bigger <laughs> and bigger and bigger. And guess what? At some point it's going to get out of control. You think you can control it. Just like you think that you're a, that that you're up for a, a warfare against the devil. Let me tell you something. The devil will whip you you're no match for the devil. you have to put on the whole armor of God. That's why Ephesians 6 says, "Put on the whole armor of God. So when you stand up against the wiles of the devil, that you're ready, your feet are shod, and you have the breastplate, and you have your, your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you have your helmet, you have all these weapons. Why? Because you're no match for the devil. And let me tell you something, you keep feeding that flesh. You might be getting away with it now, or you think you're getting away with it now, but I'm telling you, sooner or later, it's going to be a disaster in your life. Comfort. We all need it in our lives. Psalm 23, David's probably most, most famous psalm. Psalm 23, Psalm 51, uh, two of his most famous uh, uh, psalms. David said this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want to. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He said, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, no matter what might come, I don't have to fear. I don't have to be afraid. Have you ever been afraid? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about the fear of something. Some people have a fear of spiders, right? I'm okay with the little ones. Don't bring a tra- you don't even, I'm not even getting near a tarantula. I mean, give me. I mean, who wants to be around a spider like that? Some, listen, something is mentally wrong with you. Just saying. I'd rather be around a cobra than be around a tarantula. I mean, I just do not like spiders. Some people have a fear of heights. You ever, have, you ever seen somebody that really has a fear of heights? I mean, sometimes you get up high enough and everybody's got a little, you know, I mean, a little bit of fear. I mean, you should. We went, we went Kyle and I, years ago, I think it was for his 16th birthday, we went to Hilton Head and they have a zipline course in Hilton Head. And we went to, and I don't have any, I don't have any fear of heights and and uh, so we went, we went to the zipline course, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. So we went through these first, I don't know, six or seven zips, and, and man, they were, they were awesome. And uh, some people were just really, I mean, just petrified. And I'm thinking to myself, these things are they're pretty, pretty up there. And, you by the way, you zip from one thing to, like, a telephone pole. And around the telephone pole, there's this, like, this little ledge that you stand on, right? And so uh, you unhook and then you hook to the other one. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, that's a little high. You fall, you're done. You know, whatever. And so he says, oh, those were the kitty ones. Now we're fixing to go to the other ones. And I'm thinking to myself, the kitty ones? And I'm telling you, there was a lady, and she, I don't know why she didn't stop right there, but anyways, she had a fear of heights. And so we went to these next ones, and he was not joking. These things were high. And we'd zip across, and we got to this one point, and she froze. He said, ma'am, there's, there's no ladder. There's no ladder to get down. I mean, you're on this telephone pole. By the way, it's, it's so high, it's swaying. On this telephone pole, you're up there, and you've got to scoot around on this thing, unhooked from this. That's my really fear. No, I'm not unhooked. If I fall, I'm on a zipline, right? When I'm off the zipline... I fall, and I only have the ground to stop me, right? And so, so I unhook and hook quick, choop, choop, you know, hook, hook to the other one. But she froze, completely froze. He unhooked her. He's he's almost carrying the instructor. He's almost carrying her over to the next thing, around the thing, and hooks her up. She refuses to go. And I'm like, we're behind her. I'm like, just push her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what they did in the military. I mean, you just you didn't go. They just pushed you. You know, it's just time to go. He says so just, just, she, but of course they weren't going to do that, and so he ended up literally having to hook her to himself and zip her. She was absolute. I mean, like, like a mummy, frozen. And we finished the zips, and and that was one, the next, the next one, and he zipped her down the next two, and he told her afterwards, "Ma'am, you probably shouldn't go zip lining again." She had a fear of heights. Someone talking about that kind of fear. Though that's part of fear. I'm talking about having a fear um, that, that cripples you from, from doing what you know you should be doing. A fear of, I remember when God called me to preach. I said, Lord. I mean, I had a real conversation. I mean, a real conversation with the Lord. I said, Lord, you, you pick the wrong person. I don't get up in front of people. I don't even eat in front of people. I mean, I was what you called a wallflower. Leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. and We're good. I didn't like to be around people. Matter of fact, when I joined the military and I found out that all the guys showered together, it's like, who does that? I mean, seriously, I'd go at two or three o'clock in the morning to take my shower just so I didn't have to shower with another man. I've got a problem with that. But anyways, uh, and and eating together and all these things. The very first time, listen, the very first time I ate with my wife, I was saved or just newly saved. She wasn't my wife at the time. We were dating and we sat down and she said, we got to pray for the food. I said, well, go ahead. She said, no, 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 no. The man prays. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I am not praying. I'm not praying out loud. I'll pray to myself. She said, no, you've got to pray. I said, this food will grow moldy before I pray out loud. Just understand. And we prayed to ourselves and a She'd take me, I've told you this before, she'd take me to these family reunions. Georgia people love family reunions. So we'd come up from Florida, and we'd go to these family reunions, and I'm telling you, she says I exaggerate, but I'm not. It was, a, it was a, like, a, like an old church in the middle of a cotton field. And we'd go in there, and they'd come from everywhere. Like, you just came out of the, there's no way there's houses back there. I mean, they'd, I mean, they'd come out of all these places, and they'd come, and <laughs> Georgia people are friendly people. I'm not a hugger. I hug my girls, and I hug my wife. Otherwise, not a big hugger. Jacob gets me from time to time, too. But I'm not a hugger. <laughs> he does it for sport. But anyways, I, I just, I'm just not. I, I have my space. You have your, well, let me tell you something. They come, oh, sweetie. And everybody's sweetie. Listen, I'm not your sweetie. I had a, I had a lady in a restaurant just the other day. who sat down, and she said, oh, oh okay, okay, Pumpkin. Pumpkin? I don't even know your name. Don't call me pumpkin. Yeah, you know, but that's, that's just the way. It. I don't mean nothing by it. And they like sweet tea and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, this, literally, this would be me. If this was the people, that that was the people that were in and they were all eating, I was over here by myself. And what did would say? You have to come meet Aunt Hallie and Aunt blah, blah, blah. And, and I've never met anybody that has more aunts than my wife, except for Forrest force related to everybody but uh, aunt so-and-so and aunt so-and-so you have to come be and i said oh, i'm good no you got to come and so they come over here oh you're so cute They're and hug you and pat you and those all these things are you know 100 years old and and they just pat you on the back and i'm like leave me alone and then god calls me to preach it's like oh, hold on a second you know it might be the person next to me or the person behind me but it's not me why? Because I had an absolute fear to be around people. I had an absolute fear to speak in front of people. The very first, per- very pl- first place I preached, my wife worked in accounts payable, accounts receivable in a nursing home. Matter of fact, she worked with Patty Appleby, and uh, Brother Larry's wife Patty Appleby, and our missionaries. And uh, they worked together at this nursing home. And Wendy got me in. Of course, they didn't. Know who I was, obviously. And uh, so they got me into preaching so I preached to these old people. Well, I had one thing going for me that none of them could hear. And they parked them all up and rode them all up, and I had this one lady, she was a little old black lady, sat right here in a wheelchair. And I was preaching. I remember today, I remember today, I preached on love. I must have said love seventy-two times, and the message was like four and a half minutes. Some of y'all wish that would happen today, but it's not going to. But she'd sat there in that front row, and she she had a white hanky, and she'd go, woo, and she'd stick that hanky up in the go woo, and I'm thinking to myself, I know she's deaf, you know, she can't hear. A fear, you ever have a fear that grips you? I mean, that, that immobilizes you? I mean, you can't take that next step, not not necessarily physically, but you, you have a meeting that you have to have, or you got to have a talk with somebody, or you got you go to uh, go to a place that just, you just don't want to go, and it grips you, that fear. God says He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You don't have to be afraid. Can I tell you something? that some of us are probably not going to like to hear? We choose to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. You know why? As a Christian, as a born-again believer, God has given us His Spirit so when that fear comes, we can give that fear over to God. That fear might come, but just like any other burden that we have, we can give that burden back to God. Why? Because God has given us a sound mind. He's given us the power to not fear, to not be afraid. What can they do to me? That's what Paul said. What can they do to me? I mean, why be afraid of uh, someone that can only do something to your body? You don't have to live in fear. Now, for some, I get it. Don't, Don't misunderstand me. I understand there are... Chemical imbalances in bodies. And and I understand all these things. There are real physical, there are real psychological problems. I'm not underlining those things. I'm just telling you that when these things come over us, when these things come on us, we need to give them over. The Bible says, casting all your care upon the Lord because he cares for you. What care is that? You know, part of that care is fear. Part of that part of that care is discomfort. To, part of that care is God. I don't. You know what? You know what? Some of our problem is we we don't have it under control. We are control freaks by nature. We're control freaks, and we want everything to work out the way we want it to work out. I tell you, you you know my you know my battle with vehicles. Don't matter what vehicle I buy, I'm convinced if I go out and buy a brand new Lexus, it'll break down tomorrow just convinced of it. It's just, it's just, I think it's my punishment for driving the way I drive and the, and the anxiety that I have driving. I think it's my punishment. But anyways, it's a constant thing. It's always something, right? Always something. Going, and you can fix one thing and inevitably something else is going to happen. And by the way, and I'm complaining, but all my vehicles have over 100,000 miles on them. Some of them have 200,000 miles on them. So, I mean, you know, things, as, they, as you get older, your wheels start breaking down, right? I mean, your wheels don't last forever. You know, things start breaking down in our bodies. Same thing with vehicles. They start breaking down, and boy, one thing happens, and then another thing happens, and you get that fixed, and then you have to get this fixed, and same thing happens in your, in your life. Things that you don't like, things that are out of your control, come into your life. What do you do? You can either struggle with them, and you can be mad about them. And you can be bitter about them. You ever get bitter? Mm. Mm-mm. It's like a cancer. And it begins to grow. And it begins to get worse. and it begins to get worse. And then your bitterness not only affects you, but it affects other people around you. And, and then pretty soon, you ever get to this point in your life, you forgot why you were bitter? That's when it gets bad, by the way. When you, when you forgot why you got mad at that person you got mad at. You forgot why you were upset about whatever you were upset about. I know I was upset about something, so I'm just going to keep being upset. And you know what it does? It breaks your life down. It hurts your relationships. It hurts your spiritual life. The person you're bitter about, the person you're mad about, they probably don't even care. Don't bother them none. You're the one suffering. Take that bitterness. Take that discomfort. Take that whatever it is that's coming to your life and cast it upon the Lord. God said even when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil. Why? Because I am with you. Do you understand? Everywhere you go, God is with you. Are you a born again child of God? Have you been saved? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? That's why he died on the cross. That's why he was buried. That's why he rose again the 3rd day. The Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. Have you placed your faith and trust in him? If you have, everywhere you go, he's with you. I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. The book of Hebrews says. Well, what a what a comfort to to know I don't have to face this life alone. You ever felt alone? We talked about loneliness a while back. and We made this statement. You can be around 100 people and still feel alone. Or you can be alone and nobody be around you and still not feel lonely. Why? Because God's with us. And you see, if David, you remember David and Ziklag? Remember when David was in Ziklag, and he's come back, and, and, uh, and all his possessions was gone. All his, all his guys' possessions were gone. Their wives were gone. Their families were gone. Everything was gone. You remember that? And they turned to David, and they looked at David, and they were going to stone him. Because David, you know, of course, it's all David's fault. And they were going to stone him to death. The Bible says about David, he looked to his right hand, and no man cared for his soul. You ever look around and you think about, where are, where are these people that say they love me? Where are these people that say they pray for me? I feel, sometimes we feel all alone, even though people are surrounding us. But you know, we don't have to be alone. You know what David did? Though he found nobody around him, you know what he did? He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Why? Because God is with us. Thy, listen what he says. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's a great study. I don't have time to go into today, but it's a great study to, to equate the rod and the staff in the Old Testament to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. God has given us the Word of God, guide us, help us. Got questions? Go to the source. The word of God. This is God's word. This is not man's word. This is God's word. We need to go to God's word. If we've got questions, God has given us word so that it might be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Each step we take, what is the, what is the word of God doing? It's, it's guiding us and, and helping us along life's narrow way. You ever notice this in life? You ever notice it's easy to get lost? It's easy to, it's easy to mess up and, 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 and lose your way. Do you, do you know they say, statistically, it only takes three times to make a habit? That's what they say, statistically, it takes three times to, to make a habit. So, you, you miss church that first Sunday, and then you miss church the next Sunday, and then, by the way, the devil will always give you an excuse. The flesh will always give you an excuse to mischurch. And you church that third time, and it just, you know what? Every time after that, it gets a little bit easier. You forget the reason why you're in church. You forget the reason why you read your Bible. You forget. And you get to a place where you've lost your way. Anybody ever, anybody grow up in the woods? Anybody grow up in the country? Quite a few of you. I know. We, we grew up in the country. Now I'm talking about country. Rankin is a metropolitan city compared to where I'm from. Nothing. There are still no red lights where I'm from. You want to go anywhere? It's, it's an hour. Took Wendy up there when we were dating. She said, I, I'm, I'm going to drive to the, I, I got to get some pictures. I'm going to drive to the CVS. This is, okay. this is 45 minutes. One way to get to the CVS. And when you get to the CBS, that's like the only thing there. You know, there's no grocery stores. That's, you know, an hour and a half. The mall's three hours away. I mean, that's just where I live. And I I got to learn the woods, the woods all around us, creeks and woods and, I mean, animals. And, I mean, I just loved it growing up. It was just, I thought it all belonged to us. And it didn't, but I thought it all did. I was like my backyard. I remember one day I was out in the woods, and I was doing something, I don't know, I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing. And, and it started getting night. And it started getting night fast. I so said, I better get back, I don't want to lose my way. And I started going down this path, and I thought, I don't think this is the right path. And then I was just a kid, I was, I don't know, 8, 9, 10 years old, and I thought to myself, um, I'm in trouble. I had no, and by the way, it wasn't just walk straight and you, and, and you come out on a road. There was no roads. I mean, you walked the wrong way, and you're walking miles in the wrong direction. Lord, I don't know. I mean, even as an unsaved young person, I think God helped me uh, find my way back. But boy, you talk about panicked. We get panicked when we lose our way. We get, listen to me, you're going to lose your way you get out of the Word of God, because the Word of God guides you. And the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you, you know what He does? He guides you in all truth. Because the truth is your guidance in the path that you take. And so, God, the rod and the staff, the Bible and the Holy Spirit that live inside of you and that you read are your guidance. Don't ignore them. When you're facing all these troubles, when you're facing all these struggles, when you're facing all the things that happen in life, and sometimes they pile on. I wish, I wish life was like this. We get one problem, we have a month to deal with it, and then it's over, and then we get the next problem. But that ain't how it works. One problem comes, and the next problem doesn't care if you have another problem. Because here it comes. And boy, it hits you in the other side, and then it'll hit you in the back. When everything's gone, people call me a pessimist, that's that's fine. But I'm telling you, when everything's going great, I'm always looking around. Just am. If I don't have any problems out of my cars for like a month, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to save money because they're all going to break down all at the same time. Maybe that's why God does it like that. I don't know. I'm just pessimistic about those things because I know. But listen, you know what I call myself? A realist. Because I know it's going to happen. It's coming. I'm, I'm thankful for all the things God has blessed me with. But I'm going to tell you something. We live in a real world. We live with real people, and we live with real problems. And if we don't face them head on, they're going to overtake us. If we don't face them head on, they're going to hold us down. Do you ever have a? Do you, does anybody have a younger sibling? Hmm. I have two younger sisters, and my both of my sisters can thank me now that they are two of the toughest ladies that I have ever met in my life. But when my, girl, my uh, sisters were younger, they were both younger than me, I was a huge WWF fan. I mean, I just, I love watching wrestling. I mean, I loved going. My uncle would take us to the Civic Center, and we'd watch Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, and, I mean, Brutus Beefcake, I mean, all these people. I'll, I absolutely loved it. And I had to practice... When I got home. So, who was there? My younger sisters. And so, I'd take my younger sisters, and they were weak. And so, they'd try to get away, but I'd grab their leg, and I'd hold them down. And they'd scream and holler and try to get away. And can I tell you something? Your burdens, that's what they'll do to you. They'll grab a hold of you, and they'll hold you down. They'll hold you back. They're always trying to get the mama. My sisters were always trying to get to my mother, but I never let them get there. I'd put my hand over the mouth so they couldn't scream. I'd hold them. I'd hold them, I always get in trouble later. But psh, my, my mom was always like four foot four. I mean, she's, she's about this tall, and she couldn't. I mean, I'd hold my, I'd hold my mom out like that, and just, just you know, she'd wait till I go to sleep. But she's she's tough too. But you know what it'll do? It'll hold. It'll hold you back. You can scream and howl, it'll hold you down. If you let your burdens take you, if you let your fear get a hold of you, if you let that discomfort get a hold of you, if you let that bitterness get a hold of you, I'm telling you, it's gonna make you into a person that you're not gonna like. Get a hold of it now. Take that care. Take that problem, take that fear, take that bitterness, take that discomfort, take that broken relationship, take whatever it is, and stop letting it overcome you, overcome it in the power of God. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, and cast that thing out of your life. Stop letting it tear you down. I said this before. I'll say it a million times again. When you, when you see people that are going around and they're hurting people, remember this little saying, hurt people hurt people. You know what? They've been hurt. And they're holding on to that hurt. And they're holding on to that bitterness. Did you know this? The human nature can forgive, but it has a hard time forgetting well, I tell you right now, cast, uh, 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 sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Listen to me. Wounds heal. And somebody, something that somebody said to you, it takes a lot longer to heal. And though you have tried to forget it, it's kind of stuck back there in your memory. Every once in a while, it comes back. It brings it back. Kind of like... You used to listen to this kind of music. You don't listen to that music anymore, and you're in Walmart, and they're playing the music, and all of a sudden, you're singing it, tapping your toe to it. And you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute. What am I doing? My kids, will, my kids used to say to me when, I was little, when, when they were little, I said, Dad, how do you know that song? And I'd say, it's none of your business. You know, so things get stuck in our mind. Boy, it's hard to get them out. Watch out what you put in the portals of your eyes. And the portals of your ears, because those are the portals to your mind. And The devil just wants to get a foothold. If he can get into your mind, man, he'll mess it up. He'll get you thinking wrong. He'll get you thinking, you know, you, know, you know, relationships are broken so much. You know why? Because the devil gets in and says, well, you can have somebody better. Well, oh, you can do better than him. You can do better than her. The devil gets in our mind and says, No, you you can't do it. You can't accomplish nothing. Don't don't even try because you're a loser. That's what the devil continues to do. Get thee behind me, Satan. God has not given us that spirit. God has given us a sound mind and love and stability and a foundation and the spirit of God and The Word of God and all these things that God has given us for success don't allow the flesh, the world, and the devil defeat you in your life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe here this morning you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ.